Welcome to AUCD Network Narratives, where we share real stories from our members. I'm your host, J.D. Flores, Advocacy Specialist at the Strong Center for Developmental Disabilities and the co-chair for the Council on Leadership and Advocacy. Join us as we hear from inspiring leaders within our network working to make a change. Angela West, who works at VCU within the Partnership for People with Disabilities and the Center for Family Involvement as a multicultural specialist. This position enables her to serve families and professionals by educating them of the cultural impact on disability and connecting them to resources. In addition, her role allows her to support others within the organization and professionals as they serve the community. Angela also has an interpreter who is also here with us today. His name is Daniel. Angela, I'm going to be honest. I am fascinated by this cultural broker thing. I don't think I understand it all the way, to be quite honest with you. I think it's a cool position to be in. And if I really thought about the roles that I take, maybe sometimes I'm a cultural broker, but I don't know. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it's been like for you? Yeah, of course. You're not the only one with questions. Got you. When I first got introduced to cultural brokerage, I didn't know anything about it either. Yeah, they're going to have to work within the community. So the goal is to have somebody within the community linking people to resources outside of the community. and facilitating those conversations back and forth. So what would you say is one of the hardest parts about it? Yeah, um, when I, when I first got hired, I told you, I was fresh out of grad school. When I first got hired, I was really excited. I was fresh out of grad school. Um, I was ready to change the world. <laughs> And I was ready to change the world. Yeah, I to be an I was hired to be an Asian cultural broker. Because I'm half Korean. My mother's Korean and my father is American. So I never anticipated having barriers within the community. But as I started getting out there into the community, I realized that the Asian community is a tight-knit community, which is great. 
There are supports available for the Asian community, but it's difficult to come in from outside the community. Yeah, I'm blind because I am Asian and I do have family for the culture. I was hired to utilize the resources that I had. But I feel like that. What should I be? Why should I talk to people who didn't know me and didn't know my story? They were very resistant to talk to me. But I realized that once I talked to people uh, who didn't know me and weren't familiar with my story, they were very resistant to talk with me. You got no, I come in with a physical disability. I was a big I have a I'm coming in as a person with a physical disability using a wheelchair and who has a speech impairment. And a lot of times I do have someone with me to act as. And a lot of the times I will have a interpreter, an interpreter with me who, or a personal aide who's not from the community. Would you say that you're developing your identity as a, a person with a disability while also developing and growing within your cultural norms and your cultural beliefs? And so you're navigating those two roles and bringing them together to really be able to do your job? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely do. Oh, yeah. I did Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, a lot of the time, it's all about intersecting identities. And for me, I can't hide my disability because you look at me, you see the world, you see the speech, the problem. And for me, I can't hide my disability because uh, when you see me, you see the wheelchair. When you hear me, you hear my speech impairment. And with that come assumptions and judgments that can be impacted by cultural perspectives. For sure. It's so funny. This makes me think of, so I just started my master's program like a year and a half ago, right? And so it's all been online. So no one has seen me in person yet. And I was like going to run a fake little study to see how different people treated me because they can't see my chair because I'm online. So unless I say it out loud, no one knows. And this is like the first time in my life that that's actually been a thing. And then I was like, no, that's weird. Why would I even want to see if there's a difference? And I felt uncomfortable even thinking like that. So like the first day at class, I'm like, yeah, and I'm in a wheelchair and da da da, and this is <laughs> and I'm disabled. And so I'm like listing all these personal things 
like all my intersections because I'm like, no, because you can't see the full me. And that's not something that I was used to. And I think that the, the pandemic has, has like made me have to be a little bit louder. I mean, if you see me in person, I'm super loud and proud of who I am. But like, I think the this virtual world has forced me into being a little bit louder and prouder. So I get it, right? Those assumptions all come, especially it's so weird about like the type of chair that you use, like how disabled you look, like what your hands look like. Like there's all these running lists of things that you like just know people are watching you do. And so you're just kind of uncomfortable, but also just ready to kind of jump in at any state, right? Like it's hard to, to navigate those. One of my friends says, I don't leave being disabled at the door when I walk in the room. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it comes with me everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can say because you call me, I get hide a little bit. I don't talk. I just get talk. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And because of COVID, I've realized that I can hide it a little bit if if I don't talk. And that's been insightful to me. It's so weird because then it's like, but no, it kind of makes you want to go harder, right? Like you're like, yeah, yeah. The, the social norms of, of how we police our own bodies as people with disabilities, it's, it's really, depending on the day, kind of hard to navigate. Yeah, and nowadays when I don't want to talk, I, I just want to be Angela, you know? Yeah, and there are days where I don't want to talk about it. I just want to be Angela, you know? For sure. I mean, I, I think that we overpour in a lot of situations as advocates because... I think some people expect that from us, especially if, you know, we're brought in as the personal story or as the, as the personal experience. Yeah. So that makes their job a little bit harder. Yes. yes. I'm going to be honest. I'm still struggling with this cultural broker thing because it it's a concept to me. It just feels uncomfortable because of the expectations on both sides of the field. Right. So there is expectations for you to connect with your community. And then there's expectations that, you know, you connect the realm of your you said to your community. What have you found success in when you do this? Um, I think it's not awesome to know about different cultures because I work with a team of cultural brokers. It's been awesome to learn about different cultures because I work on a team of cultural brokers. Oh, yeah. I know so much culture. And I learned so much from them for what works and doesn't work for certain cultures. What you said was like the speaker of one culture, which I to be. Like something that you said of how we can't be the sole speaker for a specific culture, and I don't strive to be. Even with disability, like I'm not representing all of the people with disabilities. Not, well, not mine to take and 
because it's too much and you can't. It's too much weight. That's not mine to have in the first place. So I think having those conversations and leading those conversations is is where to, where it starts. So when you think about all the work that you've done, how do you think you've impacted the community? I've you know I've seen very access resources that because the culture worker they be able to access those resources. I've seen families be able to access resources because of the cultural brokers helping them access them. And their their lives completely change. And their lives completely change. Uh, And that really impacted me personally because I love seeing individual change. And that's really impacted me personally because I love seeing uh, individual change in people. And it makes me think about how we can reach different communities. Yeah, I love, I love these to they grow. And I love being stretched to think about what's not always in front of people. What would you say is your favorite part, right? So I think of like, for me as an advocate, you feel it when it goes right, right? Like when you're in a room and you're presenting to either whomever, for me it's predominantly med students and residents and some and lend trainees you can just feel it in the air when it goes right and you're like yep that's it this is why i do what i do and then you also feel it when it goes wrong so what would you say is your favorite part of this it's crazy that you said that Yeah, it's funny that you say that because yesterday I was kind of thinking about that. And my focus is on parents with kids with disabilities. So my main team of coworkers and my main team of coworkers are parents of kids with disabilities. I really enjoy seeing the change in their lives and in their kids' lives. In having this conversation, it's something that I've wished that my mother and dad could be a part of. But I think that would change 
I think that it would change the trajectory of our lives. Not because I'm not grateful for what I have, but it, it would have changed a lot. I I get that. Um, my mom is my top dog. Uh, she she is the star of my show. She is my favorite holiday. And I think that choosing to be an advocate as a career was really hard because in Spanish, it don't make sense. <laughs> in Spanish, you advocate is abogado. And so it's really related to being like a lawyer, not necessarily like a community advocate. And so explaining my job or what I do is complicated. And so it doesn't make sense. And it took a long time to even get here. So taking so long to get to progression is, is really frustrating. And having to explain ableism and uh, and all of the different things in, in Spanish and to other folks in the community in, in this way, it's, it's been difficult for me because I don't always find the right words. And so having to navigate all of that. So it's like you work at work and you work at home. Like there's never a time where you're really not working. Yeah, just keep going out there. So it's not that I don't like working with advocates. I love working with advocates. But it's really... But it's a really unique opportunity to work with parents. I would agree. I think parents sometimes are the biggest barriers. So like some of that work, you know, they need to kind of see you and so that they can even envision their child thriving, right? Like working at a university and and being established and, and living a life, just living, you know what I mean? Like they don't always get to see that. So I get that for sure. How do you think you've grown in this? I've grown in the fact that I've learned that I have a passion teaching professionals. I've learned that I have a passion for teaching professionals. Because as a little girl, I always wanted to be a teacher. And the classroom's not the best place for me. Right now. Right now. And so this is a way that I can be uh, living out the dream of teaching. And teaching them about diverse cultures and how to work with people from different cultures and support people from different cultures. So my last question to you would be, what advice do you have for any USEDs who are looking to establish cultural broker programs? The biggest thing I have here is you have to know your community. The biggest thing that I have to say is that you have to know your community. And you have to have communication and trust within the community. And you have to have communication and trust within the community. 
is that didn't happen that overnight. And that doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a constant conversation. It's a constant ability to show up. And showing that you're reliable, even when it gets hard. And then the other aspect the culture broker cannot be that the show person for that culture in communication. And the last thing that I have to say is that the cultural broker cannot be the sole person in that communication. With that culture, and like I can't be the only person talking within the Asian community. And I have to establish that trust and reaching out to my colleagues with me. And bringing you into the conversation after that trust is built. And bring them into the conversation after that trust is built. Um, and then also, um, I can't be the show representative for and I can't be the sole representative for that community at every project. And having that conversation with the USAID staff is really difficult, but it needs to happen. I agree. I mean, I still don't really get it. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I think it's, it just sounds a little different. But thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and for the work that you do and, and how you're pushing, you know, to, to really be inclusive of the communities that sometimes we don't think about and we don't, you know, we don't serve in the right ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to AUCD Network Narratives. If this story has inspired you to make a change at your center or program, use the link in our show notes for resources and tools to help you lead on. We'd love to connect with you. So visit the AUCD website and click on the submit your story button at the top. We hope to hear from you soon.